Let's just pray together. <laughs> yeah, Father God, we thank you for Jessica. We thank you for your anointing on her life. We thank you that you've called her into a relationship with you. And what she's going to bring will be out of the abundance of her heart and her relationship with you. We ask, Lord, that you'll speak to us. You'll open our ears to hear and our hearts to be obedient to what you bring. Mm. Bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Am I on? Am I on? Yeah, I'm on. That song is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely wonderful. Um, is that a homegrown song by any chance? Well, it's just a beautiful song, and that just really brings the presence of God, and we need to keep singing that song. Fantastic. Really exciting. Well, if you've been with us before, you'll know that we're for, for here at King's 2016 is going for growth. And we have our goals for the year, and that's part of our big goal, and that, our goal, our vision, is what we believe God wants for us as a church, as a community. And so we've really sought God and we believe he's given us landmarks and steps to pray and move towards and see happen this year. And so with that in mind, we're looking at growth over the next coming weeks. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, David started the series on growth and he talked about how growth was not, it wasn't a business speak or it's not a, um, an industry speak. Growth is right from the heart of God. And it was right in God's intention at the very beginning to grow. And when he put Adam and Eve in the garden, he commanded the plants to grow. He commanded the, the animals and the birds to be fruitful and Adam and Eve. And he gave them authority to go and grow. So God's heart for you and I is to grow. And last week John talked about how when you've prayed the prayer and you enter into that relationship with Jesus... You start in a place of knowing that you're forgiven, that you know that you've got eternal life. But God wants you to know that purpose that he has for you here on the earth. So today we're going to look at some nitty gritty things of, right, okay, but how do we grow? Are we growing? Are there secrets to it? Are there things that we can do that can help that growth more? So we're going to start by looking in a very famous passage because Jesus talked a lot about growth and this passage to me just really speaks of, of growth. And it's actually in John 15 and he talks about being the vine. And you might think, well, why talk about a vine? Well, I don't know if you've ever been to a hot country on holiday, but if you have, you'll know that vines grow in profusion. Uh, where it's hot, they grow. And so, of course, in Palestine, there would have been lots of vines. So the disciples would have understood what Jesus meant. So he probably just looked at a vine and said, I am the true vine. I'm like one of those vines. So we're going to look at John 15. And we're just going to read a few verses. And it starts, I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will grow even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear any fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. 
If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can bear nothing, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you this so that your joy may be full. My commandment is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything that I have learned from the Father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in his, my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. So Jesus likens himself to a vine. And a few years ago, I mean, Jeannie and Les are celebrating 40 years. Well, I've got a bit to go to that. But a few years ago, we celebrated 30 years and we went to Kefalonia. And um, there was one particular taverna that we used to go in that was lovely. And it was like the taverna was like in a courtyard. And in the corner of this taverna, there was a, a vine. And um, it was, the trunk was really like thick and strong. And the branches overhung all the roof. And they spanned the whole roof. It was just incredible. And the, the roots to this vine must have gone really deep. But not only did they go really deep, they were almost coming up in the ground. And as you looked at the vine, all the branches were intertwined and they were gnarled together and there was grapes starting to grow to hang off them. But every single branch was connected to the vine. And it doesn't matter where you are on the journey with Jesus... If you've started that journey with Jesus and you've asked Jesus into your life, then you are part of that vine. You might be a little shoot, you might be a twig, you might feel like you're starting to grow into a branch, but you are part of that vine. And it's important that you stay and I stay connected. Now, I don't know about you, I love babies. Babies are so cute and, you know, look at little Matthew and he's like doing different things every day. And babies are they're great, aren't they? Because it's like an, a, a time when they're just developing all the time and they're doing new things. And it's lovely when you see a baby in a pram. But, you know, if you saw a baby in a pram at five and then at maybe age 10 and age 20 and so on, it would be very sad, wouldn't it? Because that baby would never have developed and that is not God's heart, is it? And as we grow as adults to maturity, so as Christians, God wants us to grow. So we're looking at what are the things that help us to grow. So, as they say in Blue Peter, here's one I made earlier. 
brought a plant. Because I don't know about you, I find it really, I find it much better to learn visually. So this is a plant, as you can all see, and it's going to go on, on there. And this plant is quite a young plant, but it's quite a healthy plant. And it's already bearing some fruit. So in a way, that's a little bit of an image of us in the Christian life. So if you take a cutting, or when you first, a plant first starts to grow, what is the first thing that it needs to grow? It needs roots, doesn't it? Because if you don't have roots, it'll just wither. And roots are things that go deep. So I was thinking, okay, if we need roots to grow, we need to be rooted in Christ. Don't, what does that mean? Well, if you've prayed the prayer and you've asked Jesus to come into your life and make a brand new start, if you love Jesus, then you've asked him to come in. But like any relationship, it's got to be two-way. When you first fall in love with somebody, you just want to be with them, don't you? You just want to know them. You want to know what they're like. You want to find out how they think. And as that love grows, you want to be with them more. You enjoy their company. You enjoy being with them. And that is just the same in the Christian walk. You need, we need to put those roots down of just getting to know Jesus. And the first root, I guess, is devotion. Just loving him. You know, he doesn't expect fancy words. He just wants to hang out with you and I. He just longs for your presence. You know, on the everyday things, whether it's going to work, whether it's walking the fells, whether it's going in the supermarket, he just wants to be with you and hanging out with you and I. He longs for your, your and I time, our emotion, our intention. He longs for our worship. And obviously worship is something we do here on a Sunday and we, I believe we have, we have wonderful worship and we're really blessed to have a, a music group who really seek God's heart and want to bring God's presence. But you know, worship isn't just what happens on a Sunday. You can worship God in the morning, in the shower. You can worship God on the way to work in the car. But the whole thing is to put those roots down, spend time with Jesus, just enjoying his presence. Prayer is one of the roots. You know, I used to think, oh, I can't pray, I haven't got fancy words. He's not looking for fancy words. He's not impressed with fancy words. It's your heart. He just wants to have conversation with you. He just wants you to be listening to him. He just wants you to hang out with him. Jesus gave us a wonderful example of prayer in the Lord's Prayer. What a fantastic picture of how to pray. When I was at school, we prayed the Lord's Prayer repetitiously every morning. Now, you may not agree with me, but I have to say, for me personally, the kind of person I am, it kind of lost the edge because it came like repetition. But if you actually look at the Lord's Prayer, it's a fantastic picture and guideline for us of how to pray. But he just wants our devotion, our time, and to put the roots deep. And if the roots don't go deep and don't keep going deep, no matter how much we grow, 
When the difficult conditions come, it won't stand. So roots are important. What else does our plant need? It's obviously got roots. Well, my bag of tricks here. Needs a bit of water. <laughs> Doesn't it? Water. It needs water to grow. And we all need water. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on the, our own. We've sung about him this morning, about God's presence. And you know, if you look in the book of Acts, when, before Jesus left the earth, he said to his disciples, don't go anywhere, but stay in Jerusalem until I send the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, the disciples were all gathered in the upper room and they were praying, just seeking God's heart. And they heard what sounded like a mighty rushing wind and what looked like tongues of fire. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that was the very breath of God? God just breathing his breath into them. As a baby gasps for life when it's born, here was God doing something brand new, breathing his breath into them. And through that breath, through that breath, they could know his presence. They could know a life becoming more like Jesus. It was never God's intention that we should live a life without him. That's why he sent Jesus to the cross. That's why we celebrate Easter. Because it was God's intention to bring mankind, make the opportunity for mankind to come back to him. So that we could live the lives of fruit and joy that he intended for us. But we need the Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit within you. But you know, we all need to keep drinking. Because if we don't drink, we get dehydrated. We get dry. <laughs> we lack energy. We lack sustenance. We become weak. And we need to keep drinking. And we drink by the, putting those roots down, just spending time asking Jesus to fill us, just to wait on him. What else does our plant need? Well, it needs a bit of food, doesn't it? They say that food helps you to, plant food helps plants to grow extra quick. And we all need food. And God's given us his word. And you know, Jesus knew the word of God. When Jesus was being tempted and times were tough, he quoted God's word. And if Jesus really needed to live off God's word, how much more do you and I need to know God's word? And you know, if you struggle reading the Bible, I urge you, get a version that is in plain English. Get an app on your phone. You know, there, ask a friend to help you. Get reading the Gospels. Find out what Jesus did. What he thought, how he lived, how, how he interacted with people. You know, there are great messages on YouTube, the CDs. There are so many ways, books. But get God's word in you. Don't start with a massive chunk of Leviticus, but start with, because you might probably won't be able to digest it, but start with, you know, a meal of Mark. Start on Mark, in Mark's gospel. Just start breaking it down and just ask the Lord, what are you saying to me? What does this teach me about you? What can I learn? But we need that food. 
And we need it daily. In Colossians it says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. You see, it's not just so that we know it in our head. It's not even just so that we know it historically. It's far more than that. It's so that when we read it, it starts to change us. So how does that work? Well, it means when I'm feeling all alone and and I'm struggling or if I'm really feeling hurt, I know that my God is with me. He's promised he will never leave or forsake me. If If I'm in trouble, I know that my God is my refuge. If I'm worrying, don't worry about anything, but in all things make your requests known to God. If you know the word of God, it gives you meat to live. It helps you to live in everyday situations. And that word starts to change us as people. So if we're a worrier, and that's our natural default, instead of worrying, we turn to the one who is able to look after us and take our worries. You know, there's a saying, you are what you eat. And I was thinking, if I had a diet of steak, chips and cream cake... Sounds pretty tempting, actually. (laughs) It sounds great, but not only would I probably explode, it would do all kinds of damage inside. It would bung up your arteries, it would bung up my organs. You know, it has an effect. And we are what we eat. And if we sit and watch Jeremy Kyle all day and watch the soaps, and that's what we fill our minds with, that's what we'll become. (laughs) If we start reading God's word, I am a child of God. You know, we've, in that passage, it goes on in John and he says, he said, I no longer call you servants, but friends. And you know, we are friends of God. How good is that? You know, he says, everything I've heard from the Father, I've told you. Wow. So, you know, if we wait on God, we will find the answers because He's got them and Jesus isn't going to hide things from us. He wants to share God's heart with us. We need the word. We need the roots. We need water. We need the word. The food. What else do we need? Well, all those things are great. And they're all great for the individual. But you know what? Even if we have roots, water and food... Those roots need soil to go deep in. Because if they don't have soil long term, they won't have anything to cling on to. And you know, God's heart is that we are planted in good soil, in a church. The number of times I hear people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church because... And I think that is just so sad. Really sad. I know that sometimes some people are called to, you know, outer Africa and they're they're following God and they're on their own. But I honestly think if you're, you know, in a community, it's God's heart for you to be part of a church in good soil. In soil that's doing all these things, that's devoted to Christ, that's rooted in his word, that just wants the Holy Spirit, but good soil. Paul said to the Ephesian church that until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together and supporting every ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. And the other week, David said, didn't he, go around and ask, what part of the body are you? Well, if you're a toe, that's great. But if your toe isn't connected to the foot and the foot's not joined to the leg, and the leg's not joined to the hip, and the hip's not joined to the rest of the body, and taking the messages from the brain, from the head, who is Christ, that toe is no good, is it? We need each other, and we need to be connected. We have not been created to be islands. You know, if you read in the New Testament, one of the words that they often say is about fellowship the fellowship of one another. And I've got to be honest, I've always thought that's an unusual word because it's not a word that you hear anywhere else apart from church, is it? It's not a 21st century word. But it comes back from a Greek word which means koinonia and that word means belonging. Doing life together. In partnership together. Sharing needs together. And the church, that is what it's about doing life together, doing family life together. Is the church perfect? No. Is this church perfect? No. I'm in it for one. It ain't perfect. But this is Christ's body. This is what he gave himself for. He's, you know, he talks about the church as his bride. The church is the vehicle that Jesus has chosen to extend his kingdom here and now on the earth. And he doesn't do it on his own. He could do, but he chooses to partner with the church and use the church in the local community and the greater community to extend his kingdom and his message of news, of good news, of love and transformation. And you and I are part of that. And that is exciting. So it's important that we keep in the soil and it's important that we stay connected together and we grow as family. Will we always get on? No. <laughs> Will we always see eye to eye? No. But in the passage, Jesus says, love one another. And love is the blood that throws through the veins of the body. And we have to apply love and grace to one another. So if we're sat in church and Mrs. C over there just really annoys you, you know what? I might really annoy Mrs. C. We have to apply love, forgiveness and work it through, don't we? Not that anybody does annoy me. I'm using an analogy. <laughs> There's a father and daughter thing going on here. <laughs> Mrs. C, sorry, Mrs. X. <laughs> Sarah definitely doesn't annoy me. But you know what I mean? There's a practical outworking of this. But the church is good soil and it is what God intended and it's where we grow and it's where we grow together. And do you know what? One light makes, makes an impact. A massive light together, a host of lights, makes a massive impact. And that's how goals are achieved. So this plant has water, it has food, it has roots and it's got good soil. What else does it need? Well, David touched on this because he said if you put it in, if you put it in a, a dark place, it wouldn't grow. And this, this bulb is virtually going now. 
so you can see it wouldn't grow, would it? But it needs light. And you and I need to be walking in the light. Because the thing is, in the church, we're called to be transparent. Jesus said, we're told, aren't we, in 1 John, if we claim to have fellowship with one another, and yet we're walking in the darkness, we lie and we don't know the truth. But if we walk in the light, as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And you know, transparency, authenticity, genuineness is really important. You know, people are looking for something that's genuine. Nothing, nothing hypocritical. And it's no good if we're saying, well, I do all those things. And as soon as we go home, we're, we're, we're fighting with our husband or our wife. Or we're calling our children. Or we're making a mockery. God is calling for a genuineness and a transparency. In our growth group, we've been looking at the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. And we've been learning that pure in heart is being transparent and being authentic. And that doesn't mean that we peg all our dirty washing out for everybody to see. But it means that we're real, that we're genuine, that we, we, we are what we say we are. And you know, and that God has put, as a family, we have people in our lives who we can be honest with. And we can be accountable and say, look, I'm sorry, I am struggling with this one. <laughs> can you help me? Let's pray about it. You know what I've learnt? As soon as something's brought in the light, the power of it is broken. But when you've got a secret or when you're doing something or you feel you're struggling and it's, you, you keep it to yourself, it can be hell. But as soon as it's brought into the light, and that is God's heart for you and I. So all these things and what happens, we have light, food, water, the plant blossoms, doesn't it? And it's no different for you and I as Christians. That is God's intention. In fact, he says in verse 4, Remain in me and I'll remain in you. And no branch can bear fruit by itself. You know, our job isn't to artificially squeeze and think, right, I'm going to be fruitful. I'm going to grow as a Christian. It's coming, it's coming. I am going to grow. No, it's not like that. He says, just remain in me. Live in me. Let me live in you. Let's have fun together. You know, when I read this, it actually says that your joy might be full. And I realised God wants us to be having fun on the journey. Part of being fruitful is supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be, oh, well, I'm sorry. No, I can't go bowling because actually I've just got to be fruitful and just, I've just got to keep doing this thing. And no, no, I, I can't be doing that because I, I've got to be fruit. I'm doing this. No, God wants us to have fun on the journey. That is part of what life is about. You know, and as a Christian, yeah, there will be... I'm not saying we don't have difficult times, but we have Christ. And if we are rooted in the vine, then we can know that joy and that fruitfulness. In verse 8 it says, He created us. You know what for? You know what our purpose is? To glorify him by bearing much fruit. And I thought, I wonder what this fruit looks like. And I think some of it looks like the difference in, our, in the changing character, doesn't it? And you know, the amazing thing is, maturity isn't an event, is it? It's not like you get to your 18th birthday, whoa, I'm an adult now, I can do what I want. Because <laughs> I look back and at 18, I wasn't fully mature. 
I was well on the way, but I wasn't fully mature. I sometimes think at such at my age now, I'm not <laughs> You know, we're learning all the time, aren't we? But God's purpose is that we bear fruit. And it's an ongoing process. And in every season, we bear fruit. And this particular plant is evergreen. It never drops its leaves. In a few months' time, it'll have white flowers, and then it will bring berries, and then it will come back to green, green plantation again. And you know, even in the darkest of seasons, we can be fruitful, because God's heart is for fruitfulness. And it will look like changing our lives, maybe changing our temper, maybe just being able to forgive someone who we really found hard to forgive. Maybe, as we've said, not worrying but they'll also not only be changing us individually, there will be a change because we will want to share and bring fruit other disciples along. And if you think about it, the one thing that Jesus said was, go and make disciples. And his intention is that we grow more fruit. So the question is, are we bearing fruit? Are we happy with where we're bearing fruit? Or do we feel we need to be bearing more fruit? But it's supposed to be exciting as well. And you know, I dare say, if you ask people who've been on the journey with Jesus a long time, in this room, they'd say, yeah, there's been really hard times and really difficult times. Times when I felt like I couldn't carry on. But I wouldn't swap it for the world. So this plant is thriving. And we think that's great, don't we? And then what happens? Let's just read verse 2 again. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. What's that about, eh? Well, if you're not up to knowing about gardening, pruning... means cutting and it hurts (laughs) it hurts it might not have hurt the plant so much but you know it's like that in our lives maybe you know you've had some pruning I've thought about I've had a lot of pruning and I'm sure I've probably got a lot more pruning to come what does it look like well it can come in all different forms can't it It can come when you think everything is just going fine. And suddenly you're struck down with an illness. Did God bring that illness? No. But can he use it for his glory to help you bear more fruit? Yes, he can. Is it a pleasant experience? No. (laughs) No, it's not. It hurts. What does it make you do when you're pruned? Well, that will go in water and eventually die. Or maybe grow again. You can't really see the twig, the stem that's left. But the stem that's left, it makes it connect back into the source. And when the gardener prunes the vine, the branch has to go dig deep back into the root again. Back into the vine. Back into Jesus. And when times are tough, it, the pruning comes, it makes us dig back into Jesus, doesn't it? What about when we're misunderstood or when we're hurt or when we're disappointed? So many things. 
What about as a church when we've prayed, really believing for something and it's not ended up as we've wanted or we've expected? It shakes us, doesn't it? If we're being honest, that's pruning. But what does it make us do? It makes us go back to the source. Right, God, you're still God. We believe you said this, Jesus. We know that your promises are true. We know that you said you'll never leave us or forsake us. We know what your heart is. We want to see your kingdom here. We won't be moved. We won't be deterred. And it makes us dig deep. And as we dig deep, more fruit comes. The cutting hurts and the pruning but the result is even more fruit. It enables more growth. And you know, that's just what the Christian life's like. And those are the ingredients. I, I, I really believe those are the principal ingredients to growing. So what are those secrets to them? Well, just to basically re- recap, to stay connected. Jesus is the vine, and if we stay connected to him, we will bear fruit. Keep those roots going deep. Keep drinking. Keep bathing in the Holy Spirit in the the presence of God. Keep taking in the word of God. Be planted in the soil. Get active in the soil. Get serving in the soil. Get behind the vision of the soil. You realise that you're part of that vision. Get reaching. Keep things in the light and we will bear much fruit. You know, as I was reading this passage, something struck me in verse 16. And I've never quite seen this before. Maybe I'm, a, I'm probably a bit slow as a learner. But when I do learn, when I finally get it, I get it. But it does sometimes take me <laughs> quite a lot. I no longer call you servants, but a servant because you know a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And I felt God say, you know, so often we hear that God is looking for faithfulness, and he is looking for faithfulness. But even more than that, he's looking for faithfulness and fruitfulness. You know, and it's made me think, what am I bearing? What is growing? What fruit am I growing? What am I expecting God to, to do? And I want to be more fruitful. Stay connected. Do whatever he says. In verse 10, Jesus says, the only condition is obedience, that we must obey God, doing what he says. And sometimes what he says might seem pretty strange. You know, if you think about it, when, when Jesus' mum said to, in the, at the wedding to the, um, the servants, do whatever he says, and then Jesus said to them, go and fill those water jugs with water. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were on Soul Survivor, and Mike Pilavachi said, they didn't say, excuse me, Jesus, um, it should be wine that we're filling the jugs with, because it's wine that they need, not water. He said, fill them with water, And they did what he said. And you know, sometimes when God speaks, it doesn't always, it seems unusual. But if he says it, he says it. And there's a line in a song that says, faith makes a fool of what makes sense. And when God clearly says something, we have to do it. 
And it's in the doing of it, in the exercising of doing it, that comes growth. Did those servants question? No, they did. They'd been told to do what he said. And sometimes we have to do what he says. And as we step into doing what he says, then the miracle happens. You know, I thought about the feeding of the 5,000. And it says that Jesus took the five loaves and two fishes. And he looked up to heaven and blessed them. And then he broke them and gave them to the disciples. But it doesn't say at that point, it doesn't tell you at which point the miracle happened, does it? Did he just break a bit of fish to Peter and a little bit of bread to John? It doesn't say it, does it? We don't know. But in some part of the process, the miracle happened. But it was because they did what he said. Because he said, you go and feed them. And doing what he says is a way to grow. He tells us all kinds of things, doesn't he? Like love one another. But one of the big things he says is go and make disciples. And it's to be fruitful. To go and share. So stay connected. Do what he says. And finally, be intentional on the goal. Stay focused on the vision. It's so easy, isn't it? To get deterred to get like just a little bit diverted. It happens so easily and then we start to major on the minors and we miss the goal. Stay focused on the goal. Paul said to the Philippian church, I forget everything that has gone behind and I am straining forward for what is ahead. I press on towards the upward goal to win the prize for which Christ Jesus has called me heavenward. And you know, and you and I need to keep pressing to the goal. When we get despondent, keep pressing in. Stay connected. Stay connected to the vine. Keep doing what he says. Stay intentional. Be intentional to keep focused. So the question is, are we growing? Are we growing as we'd like to? Are there maybe areas that we feel God wants to just bring refreshment again? Have we started on this journey? Do we feel maybe we've regressed a little bit or we stood still? The good thing is it's, it's God's heart, as we've said, to keep growing. You know, there's no, as I was praying, I felt God say, there is no spiritual dementia in my kingdom. And by that I mean that, yes, physically I know that dementia happens but you know in knowing Jesus we never need to stop growing we never need to have our growth paralyzed because it's intention that our relationship with him and with one another and being fruitful for his kingdom keeps extending and growing and growing to eternity and I think that's fantastic I want some of that So let's just wait on the Holy Spirit for a couple of minutes and let's just see what God wants to do. Let's just allow the Holy Spirit just to to touch us. Maybe there's areas that we feel that perhaps, perhaps one of those areas that just need to go back to and revisit. Maybe put my roots down deeper. Maybe there's some stuff that just needs to come in the light. Mm. 